You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. This is the No Doubt About It podcast. No doubt about it. And now your hosts, Christy and Mark Runcetti. Yeah, this is the way I like it. Is that a fact? That's a fact. Yeah, just me not in the chair. Well, you know, it is nice getting my own camera time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. going to see this you. Good. Yeah. You're going to get all three camera angles today. It's yeah, look at that. Look at the special. This is a behind-the-scenes camera shot. Oh, gosh. Everybody, check out our studio. Yeah, check there it, it is. Out. You can see the lights and everything else. Christy is not on camera today. No, no. I actually, I won a pretty cool thing. I won this laser treatment for my face from Chrome Beauty. You're making faces. That's no, I'm nice. not. No, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I just like your face. Uh, and so I had a laser treatment done on Monday on my face, which um, I thought the downtime was about 24 hours. Turns out it's closer to like ah, 72. Got it. So I'm pretty swelled up. Okay. Swollen. My Swo- face. You're a little swole. I'm a little swole. Yep. And not in the places that you try to be swole. Right. So right. I didn't want to scare our audience. Right. Um, it's, but here's the good news. Apparently, I'm going to look like a young Christy Brinkley in about 10 days. No way. <laughs> This is legit. Yeah. Or like Cindy Crawford or I don't know, some like either one. It's fine. Yeah. Um, who else? You oh, you like uh, Heidi Klum. So, yeah. I do like Heidi Klum. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna morph into Heidi Klum apparently. Wow. Just from having my face done. No, it's kind of a thing. Women do these laser treatments when they get a little older, it's supposed to help with sun damage and okay. fine lines, all that kind of so, fun well, stuff. So this wasn't like the vampire facial, was no, it? No, 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 no. Okay. This is like a little uh okay. It's basically they numb your face, and then it's like this laser thing that they okay. roll over your face. I think it takes the top layer of your skin off. Sounds great. <laughs> well, I, I had one of those done once, and all of a sudden, ever since, I've had these red cheeks. I mean, I have not been able to get rid of them. <laughs> nice. So, nice. Yes. That yeah, something to think about there. Anyway, no, it's it's going to be great. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, I'll be back for the next show. Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. We're still giving you a full paycheck, and oh, I don't yeah. see you here. I'm getting rich. Hey, but here's the thing: we had some great comments that came in from our lots of uh, uh, lots of uh, yeah, huge response to to the episode on Monday. Yeah, well, yeah, the, big we, time. We talked about a lot of issues yep. with from Jerry Seinfeld to uh, the police chief, um, uh, some tra- yeah. travel horrible travel stories that. Just scare everybody. Which, by the way, this episode we have coming up before you get to those comments, we are going to talk about the police chief again. That continues to develop. And we have another segment on the way of horrible travel stories as well. So we'll have some of both of those <laughs> with Mike Garofalo and Victory News going to join us in just one second. But go ahead. Yeah, just uh, these were some pretty nice comments that I wanted to just to uh, highlight a little bit. Okay. Jennifer Fuertes said, wait to learn something new and stick with it through this season. We're so proud of you, Ava. And that uh, was because Ava, Ava finished her swim season. Yeah. Yep. She is now a track star, so she's actually not punching today. Ella's punching today. Ella, good job. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Ella's like tip of the cap. Uh, Karen Blackburn said, I want to thank you for your sanity and your morality. My ex-husband Zach, is Jewish, and I have two half-Jewish daughters. When I was married, I identified as Jewish. I'm not a religious person, but I have strong Judeo-Christian values. Thank you again for your take on this terrible human behavior. And obviously, that's talking about when we talked about the protests with the Jerry Seinfeld show. Uh, this was also in relation to that. Uh, Patricia Luna said, OMG, I'm embarrassed to be from Albuquerque. From now on, I'm going to say I'm from Canada. Oh, stop. You can't do that, <laughs> Patricia. I mean, I think Patricia's a little tongue-in-cheek there, but yeah. still. Um, okay, and then getting on to uh, Medina. Yes. Police Chief Medina here. Yes. Uh, once uh, 
Big D835 says, Medina has reached the cult status of Mike Loxley of UNM football fame. I didn't think it could be done. Yeah, Coach Lox. Not sure he won any more than about one game when he was head coach of the Lobos. Now, in Coach Lox's defense, he went to Maryland and has done very well. So... So it was just a, but yeah, he was legendary. Okay, here so for, is your point if we send uh, Chief Medina to another state? To Maryland. Yeah, we got to send him to Maryland, and uh, we'll see how he does. He can hang out with Marty Heinrich. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Marty Maryland Heinrich, Marty. Yeah, uh, no, they could, they could get I, I'm just saying, uh, Coach Locks, he had it. He he was historically bad here. Okay, well, historically so, bad. Since, since we're going to die, well, I believe that we have some some similarities then then. With yeah. the police chief. I'm well, just say that. you know, th- yeah. Well, so let's get to that and well, let's get. Hold on. Last oh, sorry. comment on I'm that sorry. as you yeah. get into that. And before you introduce Mike, okay. uh, this one's from Bert. Bert. I'm going to say Bert's. Okay. Okay. Cause it's a long name. Why is the police chief being investigated by a team that reports directly to the mayor rather than being investigated the same way regular police officers bear different standards? He needs to resign. He does not know what's happening in his own department. So anyway, well, yeah, I mean, there there are people who recommended maybe the state police come in and handle the investigation. BCSO comes in and handles the investigation. Right now, there's no indication that that's going to happen. But what we're starting to see now is some interesting things develop, and that's why we're bringing in the legend from Victory News, former KOAT anchor Mike Garofalo. Mike, thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, Mark, Christy, there's some there's a movie about what what you're going through. It's called Face Off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to turn into Nick Cage or John Travolta. I'm yeah. not sure which one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure which one I'm going to show up with in ten days. I know that's right. Unique fellows it, right there. Maybe tune actually. in, and you guys can see who I morph into after this. Oh. Well, Mike, <laughs> thanks for joining us. In all right, Mike, I want to start with the Chief Medina story here in Albuquerque. He's the Albuquerque Police Department Chief of Police, and he finds himself in a real pickle here simply because he's got himself into an accident heading to a press conference. I know you've looked into this. A lot of people in Albuquerque are talking about it. Have you ever heard of something like this happening? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to dumb it down, but that's quite impossible. I gotta tell you. (laughs) It's it's wild, right? So he's he's headed to a press conference Saturday morning. He's with his wife. He'd been out of town for a few days. And, And so he's on his way to this. He sees something developing on a sidewalk. He thinks there could be a homeless encampment there. And so he pulls over to check it out. He gets out of the truck, apparently. And as he's doing this, two people involved in an altercation at this homeless encampment or near it, something of that nature, one pulls a gun and starts shooting. So Chief Medina immediately is like, I'm out of here. He jumps back into his unit and takes off. So the result of that is, and we're showing you some video now, he he goes firing across an intersection in his black truck. He hits a what looks like a old school Mustang broadside, basically. He effectively T-bones the Mustang, wipes that out, and the guy inside the Mustang is seriously injured. Now, Chief Medina said a variety of things with this, but we want to show you now, for those of you who are watching, and Mike, you can see this as well, what you see on your screen here is Chief Medina just goes right through a red light. He goes right through a red light. Now, now, how he describes this is interesting. So we're going to bounce back and forth. Ella, let's go back to the video for one more second here, if we could. And, and what the video shows is he pulls right out in front of somebody. This, that somebody s- slams on the brakes and doesn't hit him. And then he goes straight into the Mustang at a very high rate of speed. And the poor person in the Mustang was, was injured in this accident here. So what we want to do now is go to the chief and what he says about what happened in this accident. So he explains briefly. So we're going to clip this 
after the chief sort of explains exactly what went down here. So here's how Chief Medina explains what happened in that accident. And uh, the intersection was cleared, and I thought that I had uh, the car was going to pass before I got there, and it did not. And unfortunately, I struck a vehicle. Uh, the occupant of the other vehicle was injured, and it's just another sign. Okay, so Mike, listening to that version of events uh, and, and then seeing the video, clearly the intersection was not clear in any way, shape, or form. So there are a lot of people starting to ask questions. And I got to ask you this, how did the video get out so fast? I think it's a business owner that was next to the intersection where this happened. So okay. I think when Chief Medina gave these comments, I don't think he knew that there was video of what was going on. Now, he may have thought he was clear. These are very quick events that happened. Obviously, he feels like he's under attack. Somebody's got a gun. They're shooting it. Uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people calling him out for why he didn't stay at the scene or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm not questioning that part of it at this point. It's not my, you know, my job to do that. But it's just crazy to me well, how he, this looks. And if you look, well, at was the, his wife with him? Yeah, she was. Which is another thing. Should you be pulling up to a scene with your wife in the car with you? No. Yeah. I Certainly mean, not a not not a serious scene. Right. Well, and maybe he, maybe to his defense, he didn't know. I don't know. You know, obviously, he says he thought it was just a homeless encampment situation. So he gets out of the car or whatever. Then a gun gets loose and, and all of a sudden they let it rip. Well, and I think just going back, Els, if you want to show this video again of uh, the actual the video that the business guys took of this actual rack that caught the actual rack. The thing that jumped out to me when I looked at this is. He is like cutting between two cars. So he right. cuts off a car. How you don't see that. I'm sorry. I don't know how you don't see that when you, this is a light too. I right. initially the, the PIO said that he it was through a stop sign. This isn't a stop sign. This is a light. Yep. And he, he goes right in front of a moving vehicle. You know, he's like sandwiched between two moving vehicles and then he just pounds that, that uh, Mustang. Right. I don't know how you can say that that intersection was clear. I yeah. just, I, I, you know, at that point you're like, I, I obviously saw, he had to have looked to his left or he would have gotten hit by that guy. Right. So he, he obviously re was reacting very quickly. He's probably been in high speed chases before. He's probably cut <laughs> through lights before is my guess. I don't know. I don't know either, but he's in an so unmarked vehicle and it's pretty freaky what, what you see him do there. And then to come back and say, well, and I even think the PIO originally just said he pulled forward and hit a car. Yeah, right. No, it, it, this He's clearly blasting through a light. There's no doubt. And, and and I tell you what, what's interesting, too, in looking at this, you see how well made that Mustang is, because with how hard <laughs> he hit it. Yeah, really. The, right. He's very fortunate. The chief of police in the city of Albuquerque is extremely fortunate that, that he didn't kill the person in that Mustang. Very true. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no doubt going through the rate of speed he did and the way he did it there. There's there's um, thank God it didn't. It, it wasn't worse. Right. So, so what's what's the mayor saying? What are the city council members saying? What are the people of Albuquerque saying? Well, I think there's some real questions out there now. The mayor is backing him saying, you know, he's the most important well, man in the well, town. Let, you're right. So he's <laughs> the most important said. guy. Like, OK, I'm just saying that, that, that this was handled very, very poorly. But also what really bugged me about Medina and the way this whole thing has gone down is what he said after and what he did. So I want to go back to the Medina soundbite. And I want you guys to listen to what he says and, and where he casts blame for all of this and and it, it's a familiar it's a familiar sound from someone like harold medina listen to this and uh, the intersection was cleared and i thought that i had uh the car was going to pass before i got there 
and it did not. And unfortunately, I struck a vehicle. Uh, the occupant of the other vehicle was injured. And it's just another sign of how gun violence sometimes uh, impacts our community that you may not even be involved. Uh, myself, my wife, we weren't involved in this altercation. Uh, I was worried about my wife's health. And afterwards, there's a traffic accident and a poor innocent citizen just driving down the street uh, was the victim of this traffic accident. And uh, it's a direct impact of what gun violence is doing to our community. And we need to continue to work at it. Okay, here's what bugs me about that. Gun violence is not the cause of what's happening in Albuquerque. It's a symptom. Okay, he turns it into the cause. The cause is soft on crime policies that allow criminals back out on the street and allows guns in the hands of those who should not have them. And when you have an anything goes policy, we don't keep anybody behind bars and we don't punish people for repeat offenses. What you get is chaos. Chaos that now has reached in and affected even the chief of police and led him into the middle of a situation where he has hurt somebody else because of policies by the mayor and by himself, where we have our police that are on their heels all the time. They're fighting tooth and nail to try to keep this city safe, and our leaders haven't helped them. So now this chaotic environment has put us exactly where we are today. So the word gun violence, I know they use it all the time really is a symptom and the symptom is caused by effectively lawless behavior in the city of Albuquerque and in the state of New Mexico. Well, and agreed. It's also coming in from our homeless chaos. The homelessness chaos is just as rampant too. And I, you know, again, nobody really knows what these two homeless guys that were shooting at each other, because of course they up and ran and we don't have those guys at all. Um, so I think again, you have you, you have you have such chaos. I mean, Doug Peterson, to his credit, on Twitter every single day is posting violent acts, arson, uh, damage, you know, just crazy, crazy drug use, insanity going on on our streets on the daily. And here we have a situation where all he's saying back now is gun violence. And I feel like what a weak statement. What what it, you had the you have the ability to say this city needs real change or we're never going to fix this problem and it's going to start impacting more and more people does he do that no that's what's disappointing to me in this whole situation is you yeah. have an opportunity to rise above and use this as a, an opportunity to really get people to come on your side to to you know the people that might be have been a little soft maybe on crime soft on the homelessness issue really start looking at this from a different lens. But that's not what happened. And that's the big picture looking at it, obviously. But even on a smaller level, what, what, I didn't hear him say that he reacted poorly and he, his judgment, he, you know, he made some bad judgment calls and, and it was his fault. Yeah. His fault. No, I right? didn't hear an apology either. My, I mean, I think he says he feels bad for the guy that he hit. But uh, this is interesting, Mike, because what you mentioned. So, Ella, let's go to cut four, because he then talks about what happens going forward here. And by the way, the person he hit, understandably, is not interested in talking to him. Listen to this. Sorry for the individual in the vehicle who was injured in this uh, accident. Wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, I hope that uh, he also recognizes that that will ensure that the city does uh, the right thing in terms of this situation. And uh, we did try to reach out to them, but they are not ready to speak to us. And that's not surprising. And uh, I think it's appropriate. Everybody has to speak when uh, the time is right. Uh, I just want to once again, just remind the community, uh, 
that uh, we do have to make changes within our community and gun violence can impact everybody from the chief of police to uh, kids in our elementary schools. Okay, so we go back to it again, but Mike, there you go. Yeah, I um, I'm, I got to be honest with you. I, I mean, I really, I he didn't work there when I was there. At least he wasn't the chief, that's for sure. I, I'm not very impressed. That's all I'll say. Yeah, no, I, and I don't think he said, you know, he said, you know, feels bad for the person who was hit, but but he's not taking any responsibility at this point. Clearly, though, the person he hit, hopefully they'll be okay. I know there were some serious injuries. And again, lucky they're alive. And the, yeah. and the question now is, you know, obviously the city is on the hook for a for for a Fat significant lawsuit, lawsuit <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, we'll yep. probably settle this, hopefully, so every, none of this has to go to court and everything else. Oh, I'm sure they but, will. I'm sure they'll yeah, how many them. zeros do you think are going to be at the end of that yeah, thing? I'm right, telling you right now, right. it's legit. Yeah, no I, doubt. I, I back up Mike on this whole thing of just, he's the police chief. So he's going to be the, the guy that's in charge. He's the leader of the police force. And yes, he's human. And yes, his wife was on scene. So that does probably scatter your thinking a little bit when you're trying to protect your loved ones. I can understand that. Um, and, uh, but still the expertise he is supposed to be having in this type of situation just isn't coming through in the, in the actual situation, nor in the aftermath. And that to me reflects that he is not the right guy to be leading this city. And that has been said multiple times with him in multiple different avenues where, where you, leadership in a, in a time like this is critical. And, and I think the problem we have now is just crime has spun so significantly out of control in, in in especially Albuquerque, and and there's no reason to believe that he's the person to to hold the hold the mantle and and bring things forward here. And and that's one of the big things that the mayor's race is going to be about in Albuquerque in 2025. Is can you know can you get someone to to try to run this city whose number one priority is to make it a safer place to live? I mean that that's just where we are in the city of Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. You know the homeless issue is is part of that. There's no doubt. But the crime issue is the single biggest issue in the city. And, and this is something where this mayor has clearly, by every objective measure, failed. And, and, and the chief of police has, has failed as well, who's been more of a political appointee than a police appointee, someone who's got public safety at the core of, of their mission. More than anything else, it's political interference, unfortunately, for this chief of police. And this is just another embarrassment on that, unfortunately. So we'll see what happens and, and what shakes out with it. But it is it, it is going to be, I think, the issue in 2025 in the Albuquerque mayor's race. Yeah, and I hope that voters are actually paying attention and that they're really looking and saying who's who's leading the pack on this because I what frustrates me a lot is when voters don't think that leaders are the ones that are accountable for the crime. Right. And, and it matters. Leadership matters. It, and this, absolutely, it absolutely matters. They're it the does. ones that are inflicting policy that works or doesn't work. And, and I think part it, of this, oh sorry Mike, go ahead. I was just going to say, and you know, and you got to look at the mayor and say, what kind of personnel decisions do you make? And when something needs to change and you don't change it, well, that's that's leadership or that's lack thereof. Yeah. 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 There's no there's no question. There's there's been a lot of questions about what's the relationship between Medina and the mayor. Like what's going on here and why are we not holding each other accountable? There's zero accountability is what it feels like. No, there's not because he's because because Medina is a political appointee, really. I mean, versus a public safety appointee. I mean, you got to look at those two and say, look, when you appoint a chief of police, it's like your number one priority. You make this city safe and and, and you, you your officers obviously have to be accountable. There's no doubt. And I think largely Albuquerque police officers are accountable, yeah. you know, and, and I think they've been under this consent decree forever from the DOJ, which has made things difficult on them. And, and now Chief Medina, you know, gets in the middle of this. So it is a mess. There, there's no doubt. And I think part of this gets back to zero accountability. There is zero accountability for 
the city of Albuquerque and our leaders. And we see that statewide as well. And there's another example of it. And, and Mike, I, I know you're always keeping a close eye on the journal, Albuquerque <laughs> Journal. But they had this this article out a couple of days ago, which was interesting. And if you didn't know what to look for, it probably you probably rolled your eyes and passed right through it. But it says from city to litigation to plaintiff's pockets. So it, this is a, a, an interesting article. What it basically lays out is the money that the city of Albuquerque has laid out in judgments or settlements here over the first quarter of the year for the city. Okay. So what's interesting is they give you a full list of all these numbers, like uh, an estate um, asserted claims for damages and a civil rights and tort violation, $750,000, all different sorts of stuff. But there are seven different instances here of the city of Albuquerque being in violation of public records act requests. Okay. And they've paid out huge money. Why is this important? Because you have people that go to the city and they have an IPRA request, right? They say, I want information on this. It is the right of citizens to require of their government, different paperwork that you want access to different government activity. It's how we keep the city accountable. It's how you keep the state accountable. You ask for these documents to see what was said via email, via conversations, meetings, all this sort of stuff can give you information on what's happening in your government. It's absolutely critical and you have to have it. Well, in seven yeah. different occasions in the first quarter of the fiscal year for the city of Albuquerque, they paid out five figure settlements to people where they did not honor those requests in one way or another. We just showed you the first three, just a couple more here. They paid $10,000 to someone who they didn't honor the request for $20,000, $26,000, dollars When a plaintiff alleges that they did not honor those requests, the total number, the total number of dollars in the first quarter alone was $262,300. Can you I have one question. Yeah. Who was fired? Who was fired? That's right. Who is held accountable? Nobody. Nobody. Right. right? Now, if you'd had a different administration, oh, you can bet the media would have been all over it. In this particular case, the journal just prints out a long list of different settlements and no one says a word. And but, this wasn't the top story on the news? No, absolutely not. It, you know, and again, That's you go into newsrooms, Mike, and how many times would, do you hear people say, oh, I, I wish they'd answer our request for the, the governor didn't answer our request. The mayor didn't answer our request. Well, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Because we've made them feel like they don't have to. And now they're spending your taxpayer money not to comply with public records requests. That number is unacceptable. That is taxpayer dollars given away because the mayor or the city does not want to be accountable. Well, right. I, and and that, that's only part of the story. I mean, really think about it. I mean, I want to know what those what those requests that were not fulfilled are and what do they say and whose name's in there? I mean, there, there's stories there. Absolutely, there are. Well, and that's what the whole thing with the media, you know, I think they should have to eliminate in their stories because you see this from a on, from time to time, either a news anchor or a reporter will say, we made a request to speak to the mayor. We have not heard back from him or whatever. Or we, you know, we put a request in right. with the governor. We've not heard back from her. I mean, and that's it. And the end of the that's story. The end of it. And it's like, come on, you guys. Like, of course you didn't hear back from her. Of course he didn't say anything to you. Because you're going to just end the story. And tomorrow you're going to cover something different. And it's like, you have to stay on top of these guys. But yeah, it would. this would be a great, like Larry Barker stories to go back through yeah. and to research what were all these info requests yep. and what were they actually, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to find out, but it's like, 
he should just go back through and do it all over again. No, exactly. Bust all yeah. of these again. Right, you right. Know? And, and, and who knows? You know, maybe you've got people that are just just suing you know the, the city because they want money. Now, that's a possibility, too. But get them what they ask. There's a reason these laws are in place. And, and it's clear now. And make no mistake, they're doing this in many cases because they don't want to turn over documents. And so they figure, we'll just write the check. Well, didn't that happen to ABQ Raw when we had those guys on? Didn't they say that they had made requests for information and they ended up having... Well, they, they were also sh- both, right? And I don't know if they're part of any of this, but but they they were being they weren't being given access. Right. So that that was how they had a lawsuit, which they won, right. by the way. Because they're, so, they're closed off information. Because they're closing off information. So, uh, it, but it's just one of those things that, a, in a broader sense here, this lack of accountability is is a killer. So that is something that I don't care what political party you're from. You should care about this. You, you should care that your government is responsive to you. Otherwise, none of this matters anymore. None of it matters. Like they can do whatever they want, yep. and, and you get no voice in it. And, and you can think, oh, because they, oh, they're wearing my jersey, so they get to do what they want. Well, eventually, you're going to be on the wrong side of them, whoever they are, mm-hmm. and, and whatever they do. And, and you don't want that. You don't want a government that's so powerful that they can do whatever they want to you, and there's no repercussions. And that's right. what and, scares and, me so much. Yeah, and this, I mean, the media should be all over this, all over every one of those seven and saying, what are they? We want them. We want to know because the, the public deserves the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, so there's that. We're, yeah, well, we're we've tangled given, with the city. We've given um, every reporter in town a story idea. And <laughs> Go I, for when it. I was in it, when I was in news, I remember kind of sometimes stressing for the two o'clock editorial meeting, you had to have your story idea. You had yeah. to have your contact and your angle. And if so you would work your fanny off that morning to try to be able to pitch that to your editors. You'd be ready. I don't know if that happens anymore, but here's a story, everybody. Yeah. Here you go. Yep. It's yep. just super easy to figure this one out. But anyway. Okay. So what about, so you've got, so we were last episode, Mike, we did uh, some crazy air travel. Oh, stuff. some gross. Some, and we got so many comments. People were dying over the guy that got kicked off for farting. We did yeah. a story on that, Mike. It was really exciting. <laughs> uh, maggots falling in a plane on people. Oh. Dead fish in the, uh, in the carry bin above them. Uh, it, a woman it was going to the bathroom too much. They kicked her off the plane. Yeah. Anyway, so people were writing in saying we were dying laughing. Mark re, re, referred to tr- air travel now like a Star Wars bar. When you get on a plane, you don't know what you're going to get. And um, so we have another one for you. And this is a very localized yeah. story. Um, this is quite frightening, actually. Yeah. Uh, but the wonton don from Barstool Sports was on a flight out of Albuquerque late Tuesday afternoon. And here's what he had to say. 30 minutes after departing Albuquerque, I was shaken out of my Panda Express and tequila-induced stupor (laughs) by a man trying to aggressively open the airplane door four rows back. Me and five other dudes had to wrestle him into the aisle, duct tape his legs, and throw flexi cuffs on him. Yeah. So we got some video. Yeah. Of this guy. Uh, it's clip nine, Ella. Yeah. And it's just, they're they're having to subdue him. I mean, I don't know if this guy is drunk. I don't know if it's, he's on It's drugs. tough to tell. I mean, you can see him here. This is him. I mean, for those of you uh, watching, you can see him. He just has kind of a scruffy beard. And, and apparently, according to people on the plane, as he was really pulling on that exit, right, uh, you could hear kind of the seal start to break a little bit and they were concerned it was a little louder than it should have been according to the people that were on the flight they they immediately jumped in and got him down on the ground and and, and so as they got him through eventually what you saw later is, is people that were on the flight 
he was then escorted out. There was another tweet by the wonton Don, of course. Right. And, uh, and he talks about the fact they got him. Yeah. It says, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yeah. Um, how scary and how great of those passengers next to him to respond so quickly. Well, y- Cause you're, you're kind of like, if you might be dozing off a little bit and then there's just some guy trying to pull the emergency door out. Yeah. Then you're diving right on that guy. I mean, well, that- imagine, imagine if he got it open. I mean, right. Oh, he sucked out. Who knows? He's gone. Other people are going to be gone, possibly. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's It's unreal. I'm not sure. I hope that guy is banned from all air travel for the rest of his life. Honestly, he needs to he needs to be uh, seen by a specialist. Yes, he does. That way. Um, Okay. here's another one. I literally may never get on a plane. I'm just I'm scared to death now. It says here that uh, passengers capture shocking video of a wing coming apart on a United flight, making an emergency landing. I guess these guys were going San Francisco to Boston. They had to divert to Denver. Um, This one of the quotes was uh, said that uh, they felt like they could hear loud vibrations just as the wheels took off. Uh, Apparently, the the pilot comes out, looks at the window of behind a passenger And then goes back into the cockpit, comes on the PA and says, we've discovered we have some damage to one of the front flaps and we're going to divert to Denver and put you on a different plane. I mean, if you look at this video of this wing of this yeah. plane in clip 14, Ella, it is. Um, I think the only thing worse than that would probably be the the engine on fire, right? Well, I all mean, of it's bad. But you'd figure, <laughs> I know, I'd worry that this would be like the whole thing would just rip, ripped off. And yeah. all of a sudden the wing just goes, see you later. Well, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that there's like loud alarms going off in the cockpit for these guys, so they're aware of it. I would think there'd be more drag, yeah. You know, yeah, that you they would, would be like, okay, what's going on? But seriously, I, I don't know. I'm supposed to fly. We're supposed to fly. Me and the girls are supposed to fly next week. Mike, they're flying to Dallas. We're coming to Dallas for a Christian teenage conference down yep. there. But we might just mm-hmm. hitchhike instead. It might be safer. Which is- what do you got? It's like a 13-hour drive, right? It's not <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. exactly. So they're gonna take their chances. Which is Mike. like twenty, which is like twenty-three hours in Christy driving time. Just let's be honest. Oh, I, yeah. turn, I, I cannot drive. So anyway. Okay. okay. So yeah. So there you go. It's uh it's rough. It's rough out what there. What airline are you flying, Christy? Southwest. I don't you know why I'm asking. So, so yeah. What's that? Southwest. All right. So they better button Se- it up. Seven thirty seven max, Mike. Okay, yeah. And again, I, that freaks me out too. I, I think we need to uh, you know, like and by the way, do yourself a solid. Do not watch the Boeing documentary that's on Netflix right now, unless you just want to be full of complete paranoia. Okay. And fear. Anyway. Well. So just say prayer. That's a wake up call. On that, yeah. that flight. No, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. Mike, let's talk some national stuff because I know you guys cover a lot of this on Victory News. Uh presidential election in the economy. Uh we're seeing a lot of Different people talk about the fact that they believe the economy is improving. If you watch certain outlets and in places like New York Times, MSNBC, come out regularly and say, wait a minute, the economy is getting better. They 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 go to the unemployment rate. They go to you know GDP and things like that. But most people, if you ask them what GDP is, have no idea, right? But but part of the reason that you know they're stupefied is the fact that when you ask people how's the economy, the answer is it's terrible. Most 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 middle class and, and low income families and even many upper class families are saying this is this is really rough. And so they can't figure out why is there a gap? Well, the Wall Street Journal had an article today about why there is such a gap between the way people think and what maybe some of the numbers show. And, and here's the headline. It's been 30 years since food ate up this much of your income. All right. That is just put quite simply, 
the reason there's a massive issue for President Biden in his reelection. So as we look at the article here, what it says is eating continues to cost more, even overall, as inflation has eased from its blistering pace through much of 2022 and 2023. Prices at restaurants and other eateries were up 5.1% last month compared to January of 2023. So that's unbelievable. We were skyrocketing with costs 2022 into 2023, and we're still going up. And relief isn't likely to come anytime soon. Restaurants and food company executives say they're still grappling with rising labor costs, some ingredients such as cocoa, and they're all getting more expensive. And consumers say they're just trying to find ways to cope. And a lot of that includes going out to eat less. So this is brutal. But what the point is that it makes is, and Mike, this is one of the things we talk about all the time, and that is the fact that when you talk about inflation going down, okay, what that means is not that things are getting cheaper. That massive increase of 9%, you know, month over month or year over year, that's down to 3 or 4%, right? But that's still more expensive than it was here. In fact, food spending as part of your disposable income is at a 30-year high which is what we mentioned. Then one other thing here that's interesting, and that is that the total cost, the the next one, Ella, the total cost in prices and changes since January 2020, this is the number that the Biden administration should care about. And that is the fact that groceries and dining out are more than 25% more expensive than they were when he took office. So there's no other way to put this, Mike, other than Prices continue to skyrocket here. So you can point to the GDP and the employment rate all you want. These are the numbers that are crushing family budgets. Absolutely. The, the, right. The, the grocery store is one thing. And as you said, inflation, I mean, inflation is okay. You go up 9% and now you're only going up 3%. Guess what? You're still up. I mean, that, that that's why it's eating so much out of people's budgets. But more importantly, the housing market is just a drag beyond belief. If you own a house right now and you have a decent mortgage rate, you're not going to want to leave. You're not going to want to sell it. You're not going to want to go anywhere. You're going to want to sit there and hunker down. And if you have a job where you've got to go to another city and you've got to sell, well, guess what? Selling's not the problem. It's buying something else at a 7% mortgage rate. And that is a wake-up call. My last mortgage in San Antonio was 2%, 2%. If I went back now and did the same thing for 7%, I can't imagine how much that payment would be. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. But, exactly right. And here's what the, the fun part of this, it, going back to you, the, the percentage you talked about at the very beginning, Mark, that it said prices at restaurants are up 5.1% over last year, and which were up 15% over the year before. So right. what people would say is that that percentage is actually coming down. Right, right. Because it's not 15% anymore. It's only 5% increase. <laughs> exactly. So we're actually decreasing our, yeah. you know. You're I mean, welcome. You're, so you don't really know anything about the economy, Mark. So yeah. you just start talking. I mean, that's what people say. That's how dumb people are. And I don't well, mean that to be an insult, but it's like. No, you no, no, it's a, no, 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 but they are, but they aren't dumb. That's a political sales job. Yeah. That's what that is. It's a political sales job to say, oh, the rate of increase is coming down. So it's coming down all the way around. No, it's not. And by the way, food costs, when they go up, they don't tend to come back down. They, they tend to stay where they were and they kind mm-hmm. of bump along that level as they go up and up and up. So to think that this is going to get drastically better, it's not. But this is one of the real things that ends up causing problems for President Biden and, and why he's got a real issue. But it's not just this. The question then becomes, how does Biden make the case for his own reelection? We talk about it all the time. Can he do it? And Nate Silver has come out from 538, who's one of the numbers guys, and, and he is basically pleading with Biden to get back out there in front of people. Yeah, he says, <laughs> that, 
Yeah, well, hold on. Yeah. Go ahead yeah. and read the quote. Okay. Yeah. So he, this, he says Nate Silver urges uh, Biden uh, to reassure voters or just to stand down, basically. So he basically is calling on the president to reassure voters that he's capable of running a campaign. Otherwise, Silver said, Biden, you know, just step aside ahead of the August nominating convention and let the party select a new candidate. Okay, so Mike, basically what Nate Silver is asking the president of the United States to do is to do a backflip because he's right. unable to do this. He is unable to stand up and go out and make a case for himself. One of the things that Silver says in the article is, hey, you turned down an opportunity to talk to the whole country at the Super Bowl. You should have been doing tough interviews. Mix it up with people. And Mike, I would argue that what Nate Silver is suggesting in the Hill is completely and totally impossible for Joe Biden. He can't make the case for himself. So asking him to go out there and do it is absolutely fruitless. I agree. And he, the, you, you took the words, all those words right out of my mouth. It's impossible for Joe Biden to go out there, look in the camera and reassure the American public that he's fine because he's not fine. And, you know, his his press secretary went out in the last couple of days, made something about jobs numbers. They were talking about, oh, this, this since Joe Biden took office, we've you know, there's never been an administration like this. We created I don't know what the number was, nine million jobs. And, you know, reality is it was covid. People were out of jobs and all of a sudden everybody came back, back to a lot of their jobs. They all weren't replaced. So they're just spinning all this. That's that's what they're doing. They're spinning it, period. Yeah. OK, so not only that, the question then becomes if if you're you know pushing the Biden administration forward and, and there are many people, The New York Times has started to do this. We've seen it in a bunch of other places bunch of other left of center people saying, wait a minute, we, we need to look at this, right? And, and I think some of them are well-intentioned. They're saying, you know, this may not work with, with President Biden for a second term. So the question is, who is continuing to drive this narrative that Joe Biden has to stay in office? Well, if you look at the this presidential historian, Douglas Brinkley, he's basically putting the blame on Jill Biden saying that she's pushing her husband to run again. The cut to 68, uh, Lyndon Johnson was quit in March of 68. And people say because of Walter Cronkite. No, the big thing was his health was bad. He had a bad heart. He was smoking, high blood pressure, tension. And Lady Bird Johnson didn't want to stay in it. He wanted, let's go back to Texas and convinced Johnson to step down. So in the Truman I'm giving you two. Truman could have stayed on and Johnson and they both said, no, it's because their wives, their spouse said enough. That's not the case with Jill Biden. She likes power. She wants to stay. She wants some sense of revenge. She teaches in Virginia Community College. This milieu around our building here, this is is her home. Um, and the idea of relinquishing it all uh, after you've taken the slings and arrows of the last uh, years of attacks. And at the last minute, just when you get all the delegates, you're going to say, I'm going to open it up to a bunch of people. It's it's very childish when you read those kind of reports. Yeah, I... Whoa. OK, Mike, I don't know if anybody's laid it out that starkly blaming Jill Biden with where things are and really going right at her. And Douglas Brinkley is someone with some skins on the wall. What do you make of it? I mean, he's spot on as far as I'm concerned. Anybody that really, really cared about Joe Biden, I don't care if it's his wife, if it's his kids, um, anybody would say enough. Enough is enough. You're not running again. You're lucky if you're going to finish this term. That's reality. That's what somebody that loved that guy would say to him. 
not we're running again. She wants to stay in the White House. She's Dr. Jill, as we know. Um, you know, she wants to stay in the White House. She wants to keep living in that that type of environment. And she's not willing to walk away from it. And I think a lot of other people want both of them to walk away from it. And I think over the next two or three months, you're going to see a lot of pulls and tugs at Joe Biden and other people coming to the forefront on the Democrat side. I would expect, Christy, that if I were in some sort of spot, you'd be the first person to be like, listen, push you off the boat. You're I'll, out. I'll push you right off that boat. I know you would push right me into off the, the water. Yeah. <laughs> no. So you're thinking, here, yeah, Captain. you're thinking more of a Woodrow Wilson situation <laughs> where you keep me in the back office and then you run the joint. Uh, no, I don't want that job. I mean, that's why it's always so funny when people are like, well, why don't you run Christy? You, you're pretty strong. No, you're pretty no, loud. One, no one says that. Yeah. A lot of people actually do. The truth is, is I shouldn't run. Cause right. Like my job is to, my job was to support you and I still stand by that, but you're right. Like if I saw you kind of, I don't know, asking the same question 18 times falling as much as you are, um, you know, really just focusing on your ice cream and really not on like what's going on with the Ukraine. I probably would say time. Let's, let's, let's get you that mountain house, Mark, and let's do some fishing and let's call yeah. it a day. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. But it's, you know, I can, I just think and spouses do have a ton of say in this whole situation as they should. I mean, yeah. they should, but I just think somebody should just check her and say, you know, where, what's your game plan here? Like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me, but am I surprised? Mike, are you surprised? I'm just not surprised. I, I hate to say it. I'm not surprised, but also there's a whole bunch of cabinet members and they probably don't get a lot of FaceTime with Joe Biden. I'm interested to see what House Speaker Mike Johnson, who supposedly is going to get some FaceTime with Joe Biden, says after that meeting, because somebody needs to call a spade a pay spade and somebody needs to say, Joe, it's time for you to go because this country needs to be protected by a solid commander in chief. And we don't have one right now. Yeah. Well, okay. okay we're going to the, uh, the topic that I, I brought up this up several months ago. I got some mockery on yeah. uh, our, uh, some of our social pages. They're basically betting on Michelle Obama being the favorite to replace Joe Biden. That is who is supposedly this big front runner um, on all kinds of things from new, I mean, Newsweek did this article, right. betting markets now are in, in flavor of uh, Michelle Obama. They, they're putting the odds in, in her court. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there's a change, if she, there's she's a change. Right, right. Right. Got it. So yeah. Yeah. She's the, um, she's the second most favored nominee, meaning if Biden, you know, were to say, okay, I'm out. She's, she's definitely uh, number two on the list at eight to one or 11%. Okay, those are the chance. Those are the betting odds right now. So if you put a hundred out, you put a hundred dollars down on it, right? Yeah. Michelle Obama to be to be the nominee, and she does become the nominee. You win eight hundred bucks. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Pretty good odds. And I, so I, I still I believe that that's more than likely what's going to happen. Okay. Well, that Gavin Newsom is twelve to one. So you put a hundred bucks on him, you get twelve hundred bucks no, if wait, he was the nominee. Gavin Newsom hung himself in the debate against DeSantis. No, he didn't. Nobody saw that. <laughs> um, and then, well, they didn't, yeah, they, they didn't. Did. So few people saw that. And by the way, if Gavin, oh, you Newsom, don't think that that's not going to get replayed, uh, you if can announce it won't matter. The media will protect Gavin Newsom and, and Gavin Newsom will become the shiny new object. And Mike, one of my arguments has always been in, in Nikki Haley said this, she said the first party that, they, that, you know, basically sheds their 80 year old standard bearer will win the election. Well, I'll tell you if Gavin Newsom was the nominee, that would be a dogfight for Trump to win, and I don't know that he could. Mm -hmm. yeah, and Gavin Newsom, obviously, silver-tongued. I, I don't say that as a fan of Newsom, by the way, at all. Right, right. And, and I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. And I think there's probably a, a 
pretty darn good chance it could be Gavin Newsom. Um, you know, but then the bottom line is, he, you know, who cares what happened in front of Sean Hannity? I believe, you know, probably not a lot of people saw it. If they didn't see it and you play it over and over again, it's not going to be a big deal because that guy can talk his way out of a paper bag. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, I totally agree with you. I, I think it, it it won't matter. And and that's the thing, whoever the other nominee would be, whoever they would put in, it won't matter what their record is. Well, none of it will matter. They're putting what? Uh, 1.3% on, um, or no, 1.6.3% on Kamala. Right. That it could be her. Right. Um, and yeah. then they've, they've thrown in like, uh, Elizabeth Warren and yeah. Hillary Clinton is yeah. even in that betting match. No, but- I mean, look, it doesn't, it won't matter. It really will not matter. Whoever, whoever they put in, they will lionize them. Even Kamala, everybody says like, oh my gosh, Kamala Harris, there's no way. And you know, the country doesn't like her and blah, blah. They will rehab her yep. so that if it is, if it's Kamala Harris versus Donald Trump, this will be a dogfight. I mean, it really will be a very close right down to the wire. Anybody who thinks that the Trump would waltz over the vice president, I don't think he would. I, I think I think he would waltz over her in a debate. I well, she wouldn't debate that. I oh, I disagree. You guys, I think she's that the one thing Have I'll you say. Not heard her speak. I yeah, no, I know she's look. She has problems speaking, but she's one thing she's <laughs> better at. No, 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 no. If you go back to the Democratic uh, nominating process in in two thousand and twenty. Remember, she pantsed Joe in the middle of that thing, just destroying him on the busing she situation. She called him a racist. I understand that, but but she could deliver a line. She's, she can deliver a line that makes zero sense. That's what she's famous for no, now. She's Says a better debater. Weird- she's a look. I, look, Biden will not debate Trump. Okay, um, I totally he can't. He absolutely can't do no, it. And he won't, he do, won't it. do it. I get all that. Kamala Harris can and will. I and, and she'll be no and she way. will be. She will be more proficient at it. I don't don't think for a second she'll be she more can't. proficient than Joe Biden. But the woman no. talks about things in the most weird. I, I agree. It's, she, and she talks not, down to people. Like I'm they're not, stupid. Like again, he, I am Iraq not. Is this scary country okay, I, that is on this it. side of the? I mean, that's how she talks. I in understand a press that. Conference. This is de- Trump de- will have hold, a field day with that. Hold woman. on a second. A de- debate is different. She will prepare for a set of issues and have a set of touchstones she hits on, the the turn, the pivot to attack. She can handle those things. She will be a formidable debater. The, now, I'm not saying I, I agree with you on, on her skill set in general. I, I'm, not, I'm not impressed with her in any way, shape, or form. However, as someone who is who knows how to debate, she is in a category that would be much more difficult for the president or former president to handle. So, Mike, am I crazy on this? I think that, well, you know, you got to understand, you know, Trump would be debating her and all of the media, all of the mainstream media. So he, he'd have a, a challenge and they would, I'm gathering, spin him as, oh, gosh, look how mean he was to her, blah, blah, blah. So I, I think you're right. I think if she had to debate, she'd be smart enough or her people would be smart enough to tell her to stick on these points. Don't worry about what the question is. Keep saying this stuff and don't deviate. And Trump is going to, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I'm hoping this never comes to that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I just I just think you have to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some clips together of just some of the famous Kamala statements. <laughs> no, I get it. I think I you're get, forgetting Look, I understand. We're not arguing that point. <laughs> <laughs> We're not arguing whether I think she's she's a, a sharp vice president who's been helpful and, you know, everything. No, I, 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 I totally go, agree I'm with you. I'm not even going that deep, guy. I'm just saying, can she debate? Can she have a conversation? She can't handle a press conference now. Why would you this think in a not, million 
Because this Wait, is not a press conference. It's Trump, different. I get it. But Trump loves to eat people and spit them out. Okay. That's what he does. He is a bully. He is. That's what he is. And he's good at it. And it's what people want to see him do. Right. Because, I mean, they love it when he chewed up Hillary Clinton and spit her out. He would do the exact same thing. With He would put her on a... He would ask her questions that he would think that she should know and she won't know him. I disagree. Okay. Well, but but he's not going to be asking the questions. Right. And, the, and, the very and she, friendly media will be. Yeah. And she, yeah, she if you've true. watched her debate, and, and I have, she is she's more accomplished at debating than she is at general speaking off a teleprompter, hmm. which is weird. Well, next you're going to okay. say like John Pierre, whatever that lady's press conference lady's name. You're going to tell me she could beat Trump in a debate next. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Corrine Jean-Pierre, yes. Yes. Uh, no, I'm not saying <laughs> okay. that in any thank, way, shape, or form. Goodness, because uh, – Okay. All right. Last issue, Mike, before we let you go. Uh, the short list for vice president. President Trump cracks me up because uh, it, what he loves, he loves to do this. He'll drop little breadcrumbs, right? And so let's go to that list here and, and we'll take a look and, and show you what it looks like here. And, and then we'll get your reaction to some of the names. You talked about this a couple of days ago with Laura Ingram in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, the names include uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Christy Nome. Any of those names more interesting to you than the others? Uh, I think that Tim Scott is interesting because he's a kind of a, you know, he's a positive guy. He's been a senator. Trump likes him a lot. That would be interesting. I will say this. I think a Tulsi Gabbard wild card pick would stir everything up and make things really interesting. I do like Christy Noem as well, although um, you know I've heard some things I'm not so high on about her. I don't know what's true and what's not. So, um, and then of course they threw Ron DeSantis's name on that list, and I'm not quite sure uh, why why that's there. But because Trump didn't slap it down at the point when um, when Laura Ingram was asking him about that, but I, t- I have a tough time believing he would be really in contention. But that could be really interesting too. What do you think? Uh, well, I think you know I'm going to jump in here first. I think that. Um... I think we're looking, I think Trump's hopefully looking to see, and I would hope that he's doing this. I can't say that he is, but who would be a good candidate for president in four years, right? The next candidate, since he's only going to be able to do a four-year term. Okay, so let me wins. stop you there and let you finish in one sec. He did address that. And he said, that's one of the key things he's looking at. And that's the last, last quote we have on it is he says, yes, I need to have somebody who can take over should something happen to me. But then he immediately follows it up with the one thing that always surprises me at the VP choice has absolutely no impact. <laughs> and he's like, I'm I, the only one who matters in this whole thing. I, it's so classic Trump. It's like, hey, we do need is. somebody who's, who's who knows what they're doing. And by the way, it doesn't matter because it's me. Yeah. No, but anyway, go ahead. No, I see what you're saying about that. I'm I'm talking about lining us up for a legacy with another Republican president in four years after his term's done, should he win. Right. That's what I think I would hope that he's putting some thought into. Now, again, with that kind of quote that we just read, I doubt it. I right. doubt that he's even I, thinking. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. He's not thinking four years down the road. But uh-huh. I think I like Tim Scott a lot. I do think that Tulsi would be a good, that would fit the female card, which right. is what I've said since day one, he's going to pick a female. Yeah. I stand by that. And I still say no way to Christy Noem. There's, no too, there, right. yeah, there, there's too much inside uh, blah, blah, blah going right. on about her on, at, behind doors. And I just think that would bring up controversy that he's not looking for. He's going to look for somebody that is a strong person that helps support him. He needs a woman to deal with the abortion issue. 
he's going to, he's going to pick a woman. Okay. Uh, I've always thought that too. Um, and so Elise Stefanik was one of those people. Katie Britt could be one of those people. Tulsi Gabbard could be one of those people. So, so I absolutely agree with you. I think that the, the female would definitely be helpful either that or Tim Scott. I, I think Tim Scott would be really helpful too. And I think longer term, he'd be a good transition too, because he's a really good guy, a sharp guy. Uh, the DeSantis thing makes no sense. Mike, I agree. I, I don't think there's any way DeSantis would want the job. Um, and, and I don't think they're, they're too similar. And, and I think there's a little bit, there'd be a little bit of concern potentially in Trump world that, you know, what happens with, with DeSantis and he's a strong personality, do you have any eclipsing of of the president, anything like that? Because it's got to be that balance, that person who's helpful, that person who is supportive, that person who's smart, but that person who's not going to outshine the president. Well, I agree on the outshining part, but you also have to agree. There's two points with, with DeSantis. Number one, it's not going to buy him any votes because I believe that people that are going to vote for Trump would vote for DeSantis. OK, they're the same voter. It, like if Trump yeah. wasn't in, they'd vote for DeSantis. Sure. Right. I think yeah. it's the same person. But to the same regard, should anything happen to Trump, you have somebody in your vice president pocket that is very similar in nature as far as policy goes and thinking goes as a Trump. And so I could see him being a safe well, bet. I think Ron Sanders is more conservative than Donald Trump. Well, yeah, he clearly. is more conservative. But I'm saying, like, he he's the one that fits the bill, so to speak, yeah. as being um, far right, I guess, or as far right as you can you know think about, quite frankly, for this particular race as far as your candidates go. But, you know, would he do it? I mean, you're saying he would never be vice president. Are you crazy? Like, I, why would he say no to a vice presidency? Uh, because he, does, he doesn't lose anything. He's not going to step down from being a governor to run for vice president. So he loses. Let's say they lose on the ticket. He's on the ticket. They lose. He goes back to being a governor. Well, he does for two more years. And, and then, then he then runs for Senate. Now. Uh, well, maybe. I, I think mean, he'll run maybe. for U.S. Senate after that. That's my guess. Uh, pretend, look at you lining everything up. I'm just no, it's a possibility. But <laughs> well, Paul Ryan's a good example of what happens. He lost in 2012, and then you know he pretty much that was the end of things. Really, he studied him for a couple more House terms, but then he was done. So who knows? I mean, I I, I don't I don't think I, I I tend to agree with you on the on the doesn't get you any votes. But then again, as, as Trump mentioned, Mike, the VP never gets you that many votes anyway. It's just it's you know you see it in every one of these things whether you're running for president or governor or whatever, the, you know, the lieutenant governor or the vice president, that people don't tend to, you know, base their votes on that. Absolutely. But I do like your, your, your call on uh, the possibility of Elise Stefanik from New York State. And then there's one other name I wanted to throw there in there as a complete random, but Marco Rubio. Just throwing it out there. Really? You think Marco? So I hear he wants to be governor of uh, Florida. I could, well, I, that wouldn't surprise me. Can Marco is... Marco versus Gates. Um, oh, primary. that would be one heck of a race. Marco's going to squash him like a bug. Marco has a much, much wider fundraising network as a much better, uh, you know, candidate in general. I'm not, I'm not yeah. a huge Gates fan either. I just don't like what he, you know. Okay. And, and I'm going to jump in on another topic really fast that Mark yeah. said, Mark, and I pretty much sure I could quote you on this. You said that no way is Nikki Haley making it in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Not only is she going to make it to South Carolina on yeah. Tuesday, on Tuesday, she's Ella, going, pull up some video of Nikki Haley for us. She, Come on now. She is also already got people on the ground in Texas, which right. is the next one. This and, is fair. And this so is fair right now. I'm taking a the, shot. You, you said she's done. She won't show up in South Carolina. There's no way she wants yep. to take a bath in her home state. And I said, she'll be there. She's not going anywhere. 
And people can think that she's just, you know, going to go away. But nothing that anybody sees, if they follow Nikki Haley at all, are we seeing any part of her slowing down? In fact, she's raising more money than you anticipated. She is. And she's getting more support. And she's not leaving yet. So I'm just telling you, I was right on that call. I would like credit for that because I called that three and a half weeks ago. And she might get smushed in South Carolina. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But she's going to move on to Texas, is according to what I'm. She wants to go to Super Tuesday. Yeah, Mike, uh, I'll let you step in before I gather my thoughts and defend. <laughs> well, myself. I'm I, I'm with Christy because I, a couple of weeks ago when I was on this show, I said the same kind of thing. Yeah. I said Nikki Haley's going nowhere as long as she has a dollar in her pocket, she's staying in the race, and I I stick to that. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I cannot argue with the fact that Nikki stayed in and, and I, look, I, and I've made no secret that I, this whole like hate for Nikki Haley, I've never understood. I don't get it from either. Republican. Really? I, like, I, I think she's, she's good. She's a good governor and, and I like her a lot. So, but my, my thinking on this was no, I didn't think she'd want to go stick her head in a wood chipper in South Carolina and get destroyed. I think she's going to, she's going to lose that big time. But what this shows you is, and the money she's raising shows you is, There's 40% of the Republican Party that is deeply concerned with where we are. And the Republican Party does have a split right now. And so that's how she's continuing to raise seven, eight, nine million dollars in a month to be able to keep going here. The thing I'd, I'd caution Nikki Haley against is just don't become the Democrats' favorite Republican. Don't be that. Because if you end up doing it to be the Democrats' favorite Republican, there's no future going forward. So as long as she's careful in how she handles things, but she's been aggressive. And and when you continue to be aggressive, what you tap into is plenty of, plenty of people who say, you know what, I'm concerned with where we are. And if you look at the electorate as a whole, the electorate as a whole does not want Biden versus Trump. And, and you can see there's, and there's a huge portion of the Democrats who don't want Biden, and there's 40% of Republicans who don't want Trump. And, and that's what's giving Nikki Haley oxygen. You guys saw it, I didn't. Good day, sir. <laughs> Tip of the cap, Mike and Mike and I will always come on to debate you now, sir. Yeah, yeah. no, it's I, I I've been wrong once on this show, one time. <laughs> no, you were wrong on yeah. the Taylor Swift impact of the Super Bowl. No, as I well. wasn't. I was right on yeah, that. No, you actually were not yeah, right on that. As you said. Mike, I'm sorry. You got to watch this vicious fighting. Uh, what do you guys have coming up on Victory News for tomorrow? Have you already started to build a rundown on that or what? Uh, not yet, but uh, <laughs> okay. there's a. <laughs> There's a lot going on. You know what? I, I look at like 50 stories in the afternoon and then I whittle them down to about 20 and then I whittle them down to about 15. So, you know, we're going to see what I really want to see, what comes out and what is leaked out of the Jim Biden behind closed doors interview that happened today in the over in the, in the House Oversight Committee. Yes. Yes. I'm sure he's going to just come clean and uh, just yeah. put it all out there for everybody. Or, right. Yeah, no, not, not a chance. So, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they asked him, what he said, and what he didn't say. Sounds good. Okay, Mike, thanks for sp- spending some time with us. We appreciate it. And again, thanks for joining us, Christy. Hopefully you'll be back on uh, the yeah, next I'm edition. New and improved. On apparently. the no doubt, no doubt About It podcast here coming up. So we'll see you again on Monday. You've been listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at No Doubt About It Podcast. No Doubt About It. The No Doubt About It Podcast is a Choose Adventure Media production. See you next time on No Doubt About It. There is no doubt about it.